Welcome to Women in Design. This is Christy Leach. And this is Morgan Caputo. And this is episode three. So in this episode, I spoke with Don Russell, experienced design leader at Intuit, and Christy Abgerino, senior user experience researcher and project manager at Intuit. Um, Intuit is, um, you probably know, a personal finance and tax software company. A lot of us are familiar with TurboTax. And Christy and Don have been leading the customer empathy initiative there at Intuit and within their user experience department. So... Um, Morgan, um, you weren't able to join us for for a very good reason. No, uh, you you definitely had my back uh, pretty great as a co-host uh, this this episode. I I had to go uh, close on a new home, so I wasn't able to join uh, the ladies for this conversation. But it turned out to be a really great one. Um, Christy and Don are uh, amazing resources and really have a lot of experience with um, cultivating that culture of empathy in uh, in their workplace. So it's a it's a great episode. I'm glad that. We'll be able to share it with you. Yes, I I was really getting um, a lot of ideas from listening to them talk about how they did things and how they got engineers involved and really focused actually on um, fostering empathy with their engineers and making sure that their engineers have um, the, the engineers see the value in the work that they're doing with empathy and with user experience in general. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, those are the people that you need to convince to build the amazing designs you've come up with, right? So all the all the UX work in the world um, doesn't really work if an engineer puts the kibosh on it. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to mention that Don and Christy were introduced to us actually by Julie Morgan from the San Diego Designing Women meetup. She organizes that meetup and she thought it would be good to talk with them. They presented back in January for that meetup about their customer empathy culture building initiative and they also presented at UXPA 2015 on that topic and then now next week at UXPA 2016 Dawn is a panelist on a panel called Empathy at Work and it's it's her and Bernadette Irizarry, Indy Young, Dr. Joseph Lee and Andrea Gallagher and they're going to be talking about the who, what, why and how of Empathy at Work so um, they're carrying this forward Welcome. Welcome, Don. Welcome, Christy. Thanks for having us. And Morgan is closing on her house today, but she'll be back for the next episode. Um, So I was pointed to the two of you to to talk with for this podcast because um, you spoke with the Designing Women meetup in in San Diego. You all have been um, doing some pretty great things at your company um, for creating a culture that's more customer driven, more empathetic to customers. And this was really looking through the materials that, that you all have from your presentations and your, your toolkit that you've made available to everyone. Um, this was a really deliberate journey that you all have been taking with, with your company. Um, I'd love to hear how you all got started on that. Sure. Uh, so this is Dawn. Uh, so I started at Intuit in this role as a user experience design manager a little over three years ago. And when I joined our organization, there wasn't 
any user experience team in this particular group uh, because we were in the we're in the central technology group and historically that group had been comprised almost exclusively of back-end engineers focused on services and platforms. And that team was doing very little work thinking about the end customer. Uh, but we had a new senior VP who had recently joined, and she quickly realized that that was, uh, that was limiting the value that the group could create and that we really did need a user experience team. So that's when she brought me on board, and the first thing I did was I did an exhaustive uh, user research study and brought back a bunch of findings that were quite surprising to the organization about our customers. And they quickly realized, uh, our leaders quickly realized, wow, there is a lot we don't know, and there's a lot of opportunities that we could be taking advantage of, and we could be doing a lot better in serving our customers. So... So that really started, kick-started uh, that journey. And then a few months later, our SVP, she um, was having a meeting with some engineers in our group. And they brought in a guest speaker who was talking about some of our small business customers. And our SVP quickly realized that our, the engineers in her own organization really were not connecting with what the speaker was saying about small businesses. They really had no clue what it's like to be a small business owner or what they go through. And that's one of our main customers for Intuit. So she was quite alarmed, you know, that our engineers really didn't understand this key customer that our company is in business to serve. And so she and I started brainstorming, well, how can we you know, how can we make this a priority for the organization to really understand those customers better? And then, you know, how do we actually roll that out? What's the approach we could take? So that's, that's really how it started. Was the goal specifically to, to have the engineers have that, that knowledge? Or were you looking to have um, other folks who kind of acted as product owners and, and brought that knowledge to the team? I, I guess, I mean, it sounds like you're you're saying that you wanted the engineers to have that knowledge, and I, I have seen some cases where there there is more of a product owner or the business analyst or like there's a group of people who are kind of tasked with having that knowledge, and then they kind of act as interpreters with the engineer. So it's it's pretty interesting to me to hear that um, you all were interested in having the engineers directly experience more of um, the customers' needs. Yeah, well, it's an interesting question, and I think that, you know, in the industry, it's been for a while sort of assumed that as long as you've got a user experience person and a product manager or a product owner who understands the customer, Mm -hmm. that you can just tell the engineers what to do. And I think that that's actually wrong. Um, And I think Christy and I have learned over the past few years that there's a much better way. And because our organization is comprised, I would say, roughly 90% of engineers, they make a lot of the decisions that impact our end customer, even if they're just working on back-end things. Like, for example, um, performance. You might think, oh, a performance engineer doesn't need to understand the customer. But once a performance engineer understands that a small business owner is in QuickBooks every day, just trying to get in that little task in the two-minute window that they have, right, to do these to do that one thing that they need to do around expenses, 
and they've got a million other things that they're juggling, well, then that performance engineer says, wow, that performance better be really lightning speed for that small business owner because they don't have any time to waste. So that's just a simple example. Um, but there's lots of examples that we've, you know, we've uncovered through working with uh, engineers in our organization over the past years. And I think one thing I can add into that, this is Christy, um, is that we've also found that, especially working in a technology industry or a technology-based um, group, these engineers have knowledge and have, you know, um, ideas that the product owners and the user experience people may never have thought of. So if they truly understand the customer, they're able to bring new ideas to the table that we may not have thought of to tell them in the first place. Yeah, I saw that you have a slide in your presentation from UXPA that talks about how how engineers can contribute because um, they just have so much of the, the knowledge around what's possible when it comes to the technology. Absolutely. Okay, so you realized there was this need, and then how did you set about um, starting this culture change? Well, so so this is Dawn. So, you know, when I was working with our SVP, what we realized is, well, we're starting, you know, from very much scratch, right? Intuit in general as a company is very well known for how customer centric it is. But all of that goodness had not really um had not really reached our organization. And so we were kind of starting from scratch. And so we realized, well, the first thing we really need to do is just get people to understand why this is an important part of their job and why it matters. And so that was the first thing that we really spent a lot of time focusing on was just getting people bought in to the concept that the work that they do really does matter to the end customer and that they can have a significant impact a positive impact or a negative impact, right, on our customer experience, and we want it to be positive as much as possible. Okay, that actually flows into kind of um, the program stages a little bit. So when we thought about kind of piggybacking on what Donna's saying, when we thought about what we really wanted out of this was in the end goal, we really wanted that everybody in our organization just innately thought about the customer first. Empathy was just in their DNA. It was part of how they did their everyday work. And this isn't something that's necessarily new and into it. It's something um, that we really try to instill in all of our products that we're, you know, we're thinking about the customer, we're thinking about, you know, putting the customer first in every single thing we think about. So really our end goal was that that would be the case for our organization in this back end and, you know, tight technology group. Um, but we knew that that was not going to happen overnight. And we also knew that that wasn't going to be um, an easy thing to just jump to. So we really started with trying to get people to understand why it was even important since most of them felt like, hey, this is the job of the user experience person or this is the job of my product owner. It's not the job of me as an engineer. So it was really about getting people to understand and really embrace why the empathy can make a difference in their day-to-day -day work and then slowly build up to having them actually practice and using empathy and um, getting out there and talking to customers and you know doing a lot of it on their own as a second stage and then a final stage we were hoping and we're still not quite there yet but um, it's a work in progress is to get to that level of empathy in the DNA. Great, great. And so um, when when you're talking to UXers at other organizations, designers in, in other companies, um, 
what kinds of advice do you give them? I mean, do you focus on, I know you've given some detail in your presentations about what kinds of methods people use. So yeah, anything more that you can tell us about um, how you kind of guide people and what worked for you? Yeah, so I'd say one of the one of the first things that we really try to stress, especially when talking to um, audiences outside of um, Intuit, is how how much we feel it's important for the entire team to get behind the customer, um, because it is it seems to be more of an industry standard. And I think that times are changing, and we're seeing more of this. But you know, traditionally, as Dawn mentioned earlier, you see. A lot of us focus just on the UX team or just in the product owner and then you just hand off requirements and you hand off specs to your engineers and they build it and then that's the end of the story. Um, so one of the biggest things I think we're really trying to stress with um, with user experience teams and companies outside when we're, when we're talking with them is how important it is to, to bring the entire group, the entire product team along because those engineers can bring a lot to the table and because if you've ever been on a team where you know you've presented something and you have an idea or a design for your customer and the engineers or um, folks on the team basically just completely squash it they tell you it's not technical technologically feasible or it's the hardest thing you could possibly do. There's seven easier ways to build it and make it. And you're, you know, you're trying to argue about why it's so good. And they're sitting there going, yeah, but we can do it a different way. But if you guys both have the same basis of understanding the customer, you might be able to, to come to a consensus and come together a little bit more easily there. Yeah, another thing that I would uh, I want to add a little anecdote from one of our teams in our organization. So um, one of our lead designers, he's been instituting this really simple thing, which is every biweekly team check-in for 15 minutes before the meeting, they all go out and they uh, look at customer uh, feedback and they read it. So whether it comes from customer support or social media, et cetera, anything that's specifically related to the things that they're working on. And the thing that he noticed, the shift was his engineers used to talk about things like when there was a problem with their product, they would say things like, oh, the service is down. We need to fix it. And now after they've been doing this customer empathy, even this just 15 minutes every other week, their language has totally changed. So now the engineers will say, customers can't log in. This is a problem. We need to fix it. And so that's, you know, that's a pretty powerful shift. It changes the way that the engineers think about their work in terms of how important it is, how impactful it is, and really changes the level of investment that they have in their own work and the sense of urgency they have around fixing these issues that are impacting the customers. Oh, so it sounds like they're, they're talking about what they need to work on now at a more customer-centric level, like at the customer goal or task level, rather than some behind-the-scenes thing that they need to work on? Exactly. Yeah. So before they were always thinking about it technology first, and now they're shifting, you know, they've shifted their mindset to be customer first, and now everything that they're working on, they think about it in that lens. And that's, that's very powerful when you have engineering partners who think like that. And, you know, I hear a lot of user experience people over the years having complained about 
oh, you know, so-and-so doesn't get it, or my engineers, they always push back. And, you know, the thing that we're finding is once they understand why it's important to you and why it's important to the customer, they're not going to push back. They're going to be your ally and your partner. And so you can, you can get so much more accomplished when you're all on the same page and behind the customer, like Christy said. And how did you s- start down the path? Like how do, or how did you get the engineers to start coming down that path with you rather? Like what were some things that were, um, that appealed to them and got them to want to be more involved? So that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I think that, so one of the biggest things that really helped us and helped our program along was that we had some strong leadership support. As Don mentioned at the beginning, you know, our senior VP was the one who was really driving this. And she really noticed that there was a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding of the customers. So a lot of it started with the fact that she kind of put a mandate down that she was like, I want them to understand. And so we started, um, we started from a lens of who are our external end users of our products, that small business owner that Don mentioned, um, the consumer taxpayer, the accountant, those are kind of the three main um, end customers that Intuit supports. And because we're in a central technology group, we're a little bit sheltered from the end customer because we're not working directly on the product that the end customer uses. So one of the first things that we did to try to get the, to try to get the engineers to understand and embrace the need for empathy was to bring those customers to life to them in a new way. So, you know, small business owners, unless you've been one, it's hard to know exactly what they go through. And so one of the things that we did was we, we, brought together a bunch of different methods and a bunch of different um, ways of bringing the life of a small business owner to light um, for our engineers. And so, you know, a lot of this is in our toolkit, um, which is online and you guys can take a look at it. But, you know, we brought, we went out and did, we didn't think it was realistic to ask 500 of our engineers, because we have a fairly large group, to go out and shadow a small business owner and get to know them. I mean, that would have been ideal, but it wasn't realistic, logistically, time-wise, a million things. Um, so what we did is we interviewed a few small business owners. We videoed them. We made a, a small video compilation of a particular business owner that really expressed what you know who she was, what was important to her in her life, how she how she lived her life, how she decided to be a small business owner, and some of the struggles that she went through. And then one of the other things that we did that I think was really impactful for our engineers was after having them watch this video, and it was only about 12 minutes long, um, and really try to understand the customer, we then dropped them into our own product, our QuickBooks product, and gave them a scenario where they were a new business owner and asked them to perform some of the simple tasks that a small business owner has to perform using our product in order to, to run their business. And that was really eye-opening for them because, you know, they had they had struggles and they were like, well, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, do you think she knows how to do this? You know, she was a brand new business owner. You're now a brand new business owner. Take some time and, and spend, you know, get into their shoes. And I think that was really um, one of the big, biggest turning points for a lot of people was understanding what the customer goes through. That's great. So you literally asked them to just put on that customer's hat or get in their shoes and, and try to navigate the product. Absolutely. That's great. Um, 
and then well so something that i've i've run into in the past was just kind of this this tension and trying to balance um getting engineers input getting the developers input early enough to where i don't spend a lot of time on something that there might be a, a better technical way to do it or, or or is really going to be just um prohibitive and, and just not feasible um but then also not trying to not trying to bring them in too early. I think trying to ping them with too many things or um, before I've had a chance to kind of think through what I think is going to be a, a good approach. But um, it sounds like I, I've been working in groups that are a little bit different. I, I have been working mainly in those um, those groups where UX and a product owner kind of own um, putting together requirements. So maybe it's a little different, but maybe you could tell me um, how how do you kind of harness that um, that knowledge of the technology side of the product that the engineers bring um, to to get better ideas and to drive innovation. So I think one of the one of the ways that I can think of that would work for that is, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, when you're learning about the customer. If it's possible, because I, I do hear what you're saying, you don't want to overextend them, right? The engineers have a very busy load. And so if they are spending all their time with you, with the customer doing initial research or something to that extent, um, it's really difficult for them to get the rest of their work done. But you do want them to understand and have that customer empathy and embrace. So it, I feel like there's there's kind of a balance and it's just it depends on the project. But I've seen groups where it worked to... And, you know, maybe do where the user researcher or UX person or the product owner does some, some research on the customer and the customer problem. And they distill that down into a report that they're sharing with the team. But instead of just sharing that report with the team, you know, as a 10 minute slideshow or even an hour long slideshow with the engineers, um, one of the things we've seen success with is taking that same report out and making it a little bit more visceral. So whether that's adding some videos or um, adding in verbatims or having them walk through that particular part of the experience so that they can understand what the customer was going through, even if it's in really small part or having having them share their thoughts or getting getting a little bit more hands-on with that with that research report, um, I think is one way that that you can get that that earlier buy-in without bringing them through the whole process of the research. Um, so that's one one option that we've seen. Another would be like if once you kind of have a customer problem nailed down, that might be a good opportunity to bring them along for or have them watch part of the research or have them experience a little bit more of it so that they can get give you some of that input earlier in the process, but after you've already really defined the customer problem. So you can help have them help you understand the problem and then think about it from a solution perspective. Um, so that, those are some of my thoughts. I don't know, Dawn, if you have others. Yeah. Um, to add on to what Christy said about making the research experiential, you know, one of the techniques that we used was we uh, created journey maps of our customer journey and and mapped it on an emotional scale, you know, from 
this is delightful to this is really painful and kind of showed that linear progression, that journey through our offerings and shared that with the engineers. And then actually we brought in some key customers to walk through their specific journeys. And then they got to kind of unpack a little bit more. Uh, one, it's better if they hear it directly from the customer than from us <laughs> because it feels more real. Um, but two, they got you know a, a better sense of who these people are and why these things really matter to them. And, and then what we did was we used this tool called an empathy map, which is a way to unpack insights and it's a, it's a two by two where you say, this is what the customer said, this is what they did, and then you infer based on what they said and what they did, what they were thinking and they, what they were feeling. And so that's one thing that we did. We had the teams listen to the customer's journey, unpack their insights into these empathy maps, and then, then you find that the insights become more uh, their own insights as opposed to us sort of spoon-feeding them, it starts to feel more internalized to them. And so that's been very impactful and, and not a lot of additional effort on top of what we would already do for a research share-out. Um, and another thing that I would say is, you know, for the engineers who are working on the day-to-day -day stuff, I think, you know, what the methods that Christy talked about are really helpful. In addition to that, you know, we have um, what we call architects, technology architects, who are working on the long-term strategy for our, our um, technology platforms. And for those people who are doing the strategy, the technology strategy, I think it's critically important that they understand the end customer goals really, really well. And what we found um, in some of our projects was that before we introduced a user experience person onto those projects, those technology architects had made some decisions that made sense when you optimize strictly for technology, but when you add in, well, what, how, what is this going to do to the customer experience? Some of those decisions did not make sense at all. And some of those decisions had to be undone in ways that, you know, took a while, actually took quite a bit of effort and time to undo. And so now that we've got a user experience person and they're partnered with them, now they can have that input of what matters to the customers as they're making those long-term technology decisions. And so I think that's very powerful and important because you don't want to get down the road and find out that you can't do something that's critically important for your customer because the wrong technology decision was made a year ago or two years ago or something like that. Actually, to um, add on to that, Don, I recently, just thinking about this program and kind of what we talked about at the very beginning and how we really wanted to get everybody on the team on board, this is a perfect illustration <laughs> of why that's so important. Because as Don's talking about, you know, without those, those architects being having an understanding of the customer problem and thinking about that, you know, a lot of work can end up being redone or, or doesn't get redone and the user experience completely suffers for it. Um, I recently was in a meeting with one of our, one of our senior architects who kind of manages most of the other architects in our group. And he was saying, I was asking him about customer empathy and kind of where it fell for him and in a very, um, very straightforward way. I was trying to get very direct feedback from him. And he commented that since, you know, we started the program and we've given these opportunities for people to get out and talk to customers and really shown them kind of how to talk to customers and, and the types of things to look for, he was telling me 
that he's noticed a huge change in all of the conversations. And I mean, he goes out and speaks with most of the leaders across the company, but he noticed that instead of having really technical and tactical conversations about their needs and the future needs for the product and the platforms that we're building, he's instead asking them about their customer and about their own teams and their workforce and how um, how they're working and what they're doing. And he's, he's noticing that his own vernacular has changed so much around trying to understand his customer, both internal and external, before he decides on what to build. Um, and that's a huge change from what it was a couple of years ago. And he said it's made a big impact in how he's able to think about the future and the strategies that they're moving forward with. That, that's wonderful. I think that just hearing you all explain the transformation kind of piece by piece, um, I, I can hear the answer to, to my, my question about why you would want to target engineers for, for this program and for this transformation. You've mentioned a couple of things that are in your toolkit. You mentioned empathy maps, and I see that you have a template there. So I want to give, I mean, among other things, you've got some examples of your videos and um, your slide pre- your slides from your UXPA presentation. So I want to drop the URL here. Um, it's customerempathy.wordpress.com. I think that was a really great idea for you all to put these up on its own site where um, where people can find it. Well, I want to, there's a couple more things I, I'm hoping to, to talk about. Um, I'd love to talk about how it's been sharing your process with people outside of Intuit, with other designers um, and people in the UX community. But I want to make sure that we also talk a little bit more about um, some of the challenges that you've overcome during this process, um, maybe roadblocks that you ran into and, and how you came up with solutions for those or just in general things that um, tend to be the more challenging aspects of building up that customer-centric culture? Sure, I can um, start with just some of the challenges that we've run into. Um, Certainly skepticism (laughs) was a huge piece of that. When we started off, you know, it was, you know, we created kind of this, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, where we created this kind of kit is what we were calling it. It was basically like a two-hour session to really understand that initial customer, which we focused on the end customer, the um, small business owner. And it was about a two-hour session where we, you know, went through the video, we went through some research findings, and then we went through that experiential piece of using the product and trying different aspects of it and really understanding how the work that our teams did impact that product and therefore impact the end customer. So that was kind of the kit, but we, um, we, uh, we made it mandatory for every single person in our organization, all 500, you know, engineers and architects and our handful of UX and, uh, product managers go through it. And, Oh my goodness, the amount of hair pulling and, you know, arguing with people, not really arguing, but it was more of just like, you know, you could see it on the faces of why do we have to do this? And this is so, you know, a waste of my time and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, I think one of the things we, we learned is that we really needed to lean into, we listened a lot to our customer, which was, which was our teams, right? And we listened to what they liked and what they didn't like about the stuff that we were presenting and offering to them. And as we, and we just kept iterating. So, you know, videos were really, were really powerful. Bringing customers in was really powerful. Lots of PowerPoint and research findings, not so powerful, you know, like it needed to be more 
experiential and needed to be more real. Um, so things like that really we leaned into. A big thing that really helped our skepticism too is just by giving them the opportunity to to experience what the customer experiences was a was the really big turning point for a lot of people. Um, we also identified a lot of champions. So when somebody did get it and was like, whoa, that I had no idea it was that bad, or I had no idea that that's what they have to go through. Um, we really leveraged those people. So, you know, if it was somebody on a team that was like, that really just took it to heart, we would lean on that person and say, Hey, you know, what is, what are the problems on your team? What are you guys trying to solve? Can we help you? Can we help you by, you know, bringing customers in? Can we bring this to your team? And with them kind of leading that charge a little bit, it's easier, right? It's much, it's much better for an engineer to tell their fellow engineers about why it's important to talk to our customer than it is for Dawn or myself to spend all of our time talking about it. Yeah, I could see see there being more <laughs> trust um, in, in their point of view on that. So then your toolkit that you that you've got up at um, and I'm going to give the URL again: customerempathy.wordpress.com. The toolkit that you have there is that then kind of a sample of materials that designers at other organizations might model their own toolkit after to share with their teams outside of UX? Absolutely. So our, our hope in sharing that was that if other teams wanted to do something like this in their own organization, that they could benefit from, you know, what we've learned along the way. And, and certainly I think a lot of it could be applied in other organizations. I mean, of course you have to think about who your customers are, external and internal, and and what methods might work for your organization. Um, but certainly, that that was the intent in sharing it was that other people could benefit from it. And as you've been sharing these materials and presenting and talking with people who are wanting to do something similar in their organizations, are there certain things that have resonated with people or? Um, questions that people have had that have surprised you or that you're kind of seeing a trend in, in what people are struggling with or, or curious about? I think one of the things that that we've heard consistently is that people are really excited about the various methods that we've tried and that we've come up with and and we've tried some things that are you know, pretty novel and and go much further than just doing a share out of research findings. Um, and so I, I'm really excited about that, that people are interested in trying some of the stuff that we've done uh, and using those different methods to get their teams engaged. Um, and um, I think the other, another question that we hear a lot is, uh, you know, why is empathy so important right now? And, um, Actually, I'll do a little bit of a plug because uh, I'm going to be on a panel at UXPA 2016, which is coming up uh, in early June, and um, that we're going to do a panel on empathy at work, explaining the who, why, what, and how. And we've got some really interesting speakers on that panel. So it's going to be myself, Dawn, and um, Bernadette Urizari, who's the CEO of a design firm, Indy Young, who some of you may know, she's the author of Practical Empathy and Mental Models, uh, Dr. Joseph Lee, who's a psychiatrist, and um, so we've got a variety of 
people who are going to be talking about that specific question of, you know, why is empathy important now and then why does it matter in terms of having it in your organization and in your teams? I'm so glad that you're doing that. I'm so glad that that panel is happening because I think this is a, a word that is getting um, a lot of play right now. It's a, it's a buzzword that we're hearing a lot. And it's, I don't mean buzzword in a derogatory way either. I think that it is important, but I think that it's just um, pretty far removed from maybe what people think about when they think about the bottom line for business. And when you have folks who are, who are business people making decisions, it's, I think, important to be able to connect the dots for them, why empathy ties back to that. Like how, how is that, something that's important and how is it something that it's yeah exactly I agree yeah I think I think the only um the other thing I would add on that I think we get asked a lot when we do share this material out is the hardest question for us to answer and I will just go ahead and you know nail that elephant in the room there which is how do you measure the impact and um, I know it's a question that we saw come through on the Twitter feed, but it's it's a question we get asked a lot, and it is an amazingly hard thing to do. Measuring how much empathy someone has is very personal, and so you know there's not exactly an empathy meter that we can use. Um, so a lot of it is is self reporting. You know, we've asked our teams. We've you know I kind of talked about. One of the things we looked at was when we rolled this program out and some of the different methods we've used and the, and the things we've done, we've always followed back up with people afterwards and asked for their opinions, asked for their thoughts, you know, given them anonymous surveys to fill out to understand what worked well for them and understand how much impact they felt it had for them. Um, and so that's one of the ways that we've measured, you know, like how much, how much more do you understand the customer and, and, Honestly, engineers are very, very honest. So that's one good thing. <laughs> they will tell you, I knew all of that already, or I actually learned something. They're not, they're not afraid to be um, really blunt. So that part works out pretty well. Um, some of the other things that we are using as a measure for the effectiveness and that comes up again and again and again is when we look at the teams that are, that are reaching out to their customer and they're using some of these methods and they're really trying to um, focus on empathy in their day-to-day, we're looking at the pivots and the changes that they make to their product or to their service or to their roadmap or things that they do in their sprints that are different that are because of that direct customer learning or direct customer input, because they went out and talked to a customer or did some research on their own or, you know, whatever it was, and they made a pivot. So we're trying to to track some of those as a way to keep track as well. Um, and we're also looking at the amount of time and the number of people that our teams are actually reaching out to, whether they're customers internal or external, like, um, the example Don gave earlier about one of our teams that, you know, looks at those customer inputs, whether it comes from social media or care um, channel or something to that effect, you know, that's a team that's really reaching out to their customer, even if it's not, even if it's like slightly indirect, but they're, you know, they're doing a lot of customer interaction in that way. And we also look at the, you know, the folks that are taking time to talk to their customers or taking time to really learn. I'm glad you brought this up, Christy. I know this was um, something that Julie Morgan was hoping we would talk more about. And I just want to do a little plug at this point for the Designing Women Meetup out in San Diego, um, which is the reason that we are all talking with each other. And Julie Morgan organizes that. Um, I think that 
it, yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're measuring, um, how much time people are spending on these activities and their teams, and then some self-reporting on, um, on how much impact it's having, but then also specifically like what, what changed on the teams and, and what else, what, um, activities are doing as a result. Now, are there, um, some things that you're hoping to measure that, that you're not yet to that point where you're, you're getting that kind of information? You know, I think we would love to just be able to say like, oh my gosh, this had an impact on revenue in this amount. I mean, ultimately we, you kind of alluded to this earlier, Christy, is that the, you know, when you're talking about business folks and you're talking about, um, you know, maybe your, your leadership or even your engineers, like they're looking for hard line, right? They want to see the impact of why this program ma- matters or why we're putting time into empathy or, you know, that type of thing. And so I think we're still looking for that, that kind of key to what it is that's going to really, um, satisfy the uh, the analysts and the business focused folks that are that really want to see a bottom line type of input, which is a little hard or um, it's a little harder to quantify. So I'm not sure. I don't have an answer for that because I don't know what it is. If I could figure it out exactly, <laughs> we would be um, one step closer. But uh, that's kind of how I feel. I don't know, Donna, if you have any other any other ads to that. Yeah, the only, I agree with everything that Christy said. The other thing that I would just say is, you know, one thing that's helped us in terms of not having to get to that level of rigor and justifying the program is that we've spent a lot of time with our leadership team, getting them to actually participate in these activities. So they've, they've seen the benefit and felt the benefits firsthand and it's changed the way that they think about things. It's changed the way that they look at the work that their teams are doing. And so I would say, you know, one of the best ways to get people to not be skeptical is to get them to experience it themselves. And um, so luckily, you know, that's gotten us a lot of credibility that um, has, you know, not then put us into that level of scrutiny where we have to justify every day we're spending on the program and tie it back to revenue, that would be quite, you know, difficult and arduous, <laughs> maybe, imp- maybe impossible, right? So, um, so that's, you know, that's the, the, one of the ways we've gotten around that is just, you know, making sure that our senior leaders, the people who might be asking those questions are actually bought into the program and seeing the, the results and the impact for themselves. Yes. It's good that you're not under a microscope in that way, but I know what comes to mind for me as a, a big, a big benefit of, of having that empathy, and especially among your engineers, which the more I'm thinking about this and listening to you all, the more exciting that is to me, because it, it, you can come up with those solutions that are so well tailored to your customers, because you all are just in tune with them. Um, but I, I am, I'm stopping and scratching my head thinking about, okay, now how do you measure that? <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so... Were there any other challenges that you were wanting to talk about or anything else that like I should have asked about that we haven't talked about yet? I mean, I think we can, I mean, we could have gone into, um, you know, some of the methods that we tried and some of the things that didn't work in those methods. But I, but I think that, you know, I think the overall, the, that's not as important as 
kind of why we do what we do and the impact that it has. I think the methods when it comes down to it is if you, if you're bought into this type of thinking and really trying to bring your whole group along, it's about getting out there, putting yourself out there and trying new things. And, and I think our biggest takeaway and in, in our um, tip sheets, we have kind of these learnings that we shared, right? So kind of pros and cons of each of the things that we've tried and, and pitfalls to avoid and things to watch out for. But I think one of the biggest learnings that I could share that's broadly applicable is to just get out there and try and think about, think about that design framework, right? That design thinking framework. Go broad before you narrow down and really experiment. We never put out anything to all 500 people until we tested it with a couple of teams. And we learned a lot in testing it with those teams. You know, we learned when things were too long or too, or didn't make a whole lot of sense. We, you know, we saw when people kind of shut down and were bored. Um, so I think a lot of our learnings were just in trying to fine tune. And when you're trying to convince people of something that they're not really ready to be convinced of, you really need to take the time to practice and get it right for yourself before you roll it out to them. Because I think that's one of the biggest things that we, that we learned is that we had to be really um, careful about what we shared because we didn't ever want it, them to walk away with a bad feeling or to be like, this was a complete waste of my time. Cause that really would undermine everything else that we've already done and everything else we hope to do in the future. So um, I just think that, you know, putting yourself out there, being open to feedback and really trying to learn and iterate and understanding who your customer is. So when I, we've been talking about customer empathy this whole time, but if you're trying to convince, whether it's your engineers, your senior leadership, whomever it is, you need to understand where they're coming from and what their hangups are so that you can address those in a really effective way so that you can bring them along with you and you're not, you know, you're not running against the tide there. Yeah, so you were experimenting and trying different things with different teams, but they were well prepared things. Thought they were well thought out solutions. Yeah, but the, and and we we learned is that no matter how well thought out they were, we had things to learn every time we piloted something. <laughs> you know, there was always something that could be better. And even when we rolled it out, there's always things that could be better, right? There, we're always iterating and trying new things. But, you know, you make, you make trade-offs just like anything else with time and money and resources. So, you know, there's, there's trade-offs to everything. But we, we were really careful about trying to make sure that what we did share would resonate um, and that it would, it would have the impact that we're hoping for. Yeah, the other thing that, I, that we haven't touched on that I just want to make sure we, we talk about is a lot of the methods that we've talked about so far were in what we call stage one of our journey, which is really about getting the organization to understand the value of empathy and who their customers were at a very foundational level. And since we've been doing this program now for over two years, we've shifted our emphasis to what we're calling stage two, practicing and building the muscle. And so now what a lot of Christy spends a lot of her time on is coaching teams, helping them get connected with the right customers, doing things like offering customer office hours where we bring the customers to them. All they really have to do is kind of show up. 
Um, so it reduces a lot of that overhead and takes a, away a lot of those excuses that your teams might have around, you know, why they're not talking to their customers. And um, so th that's really where a lot of our energy is spent now is not getting them to do research per se, but just getting them to be in touch with their customers on a regular basis so that when they are making those decisions that are going to impact the end user experience, that they're doing that with, in some sort of informed way and with that empathy and that input that they need to make better decisions. So you were experimenting and, and learning and planning in stage one and now in a working the plan, it sounds like. Yep. We're really, now it's really about, you know, it's like most people, and I wouldn't say everybody, but most people understand why it's important and that it is important. So now it's the bigger barriers are getting them comfortable doing um, and giving them the skills and the and the knowledge that they need to be able to do some of this themselves and helping them break down the barriers that they see to doing it. So whether it's a time barrier or a skill barrier, like what can we do to help you feel comfortable to reach out to your customer, to make sure that you understand your customer? And there are times where we're saying, you know, this doesn't replace the need for customer research. Like my, my role is really kind of um, a bit of a hybrid. Like I'm still doing, if a team needs strategic research and they really need to get in depth, it's not realistic to ask the engineers to do that. They're not they're not, you know, strongly trained in it. They don't have the time to get deep into it. They need somebody to do that research. And that's when we put research resources on that, whether it's me or somebody else from the team. Um, but there are times when, you know, they're testing an iteration or they need to do some, some basic usability testing to understand if the solution that they came up with is actually going to solve a problem. Um, and in those cases, especially when they're dealing with an internal customer, those are things they can absolutely do if they have the right resources and the help behind them. And those are the times that we're, you know, giving them, we're, we're going through workshops where we're teaching them skills to be able to do, you know, basic interviewing or, you know, how to ask questions that aren't leading so that they can get some of the information that they need to get. Because, you know, a lot of them are like, okay, sure, I'll talk to my customer, but they might walk in and basically just, it's like a, it's like a police interview and it's not pretty, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, okay, well, we, we crossed one barrier. You're willing to talk to your customer, yeah. but let's work a little harder on how you're talking to your customer because that just wasn't effective. So, <laughs> you know, those are some of the things that we, that we're seeing kind of in the second stage, like. They're understanding the need for it, but now it's kind of getting over the hump of what can I do myself and how do I have, build the skills to do it and, how, and, and recognizing when I need to ask for help. And when they need to ask for help, those are the times that we're happy to, um, to share some of the resources and help put somebody on that team or put somebody in, on that project that can help them. Yeah, and one of the things that Christy has done is she's created some workshops, a series of workshops to help people, she created this fantastic workshop that we're calling the listening workshop. We decided not to call it an interviewing workshop because that put the emphasis, the wrong emphasis <laughs> on the activity, right? It's really about listening to your customer. Um, and so. Yeah, that's a, that's a subtle difference, but I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And so, you know, in that workshop, people learned how to ask open-ended questions and they got practice on how to do that. And they got feedback from each other in terms of, 
oh, you were being leading here or, you know, you were making me uncomfortable because you were sort of proposing a solution before you really understood my, my um, problem or whatever it, it was. And so they got that practice and they got, you know, in the right mindset of how to listen to their customer. And so doing things like that is really helpful. And I, you know, I, I know some user research purists, you know, might shudder at the idea that an engineer is talking to a customer but the thing that I would say is talking to one customer is better than talking to zero customers. And would you rather that they make that decision in a vacuum? Or would you rather that they make that decision talking to one or two customers? And so that's, that's where we're coming from is we're not trying to get to perfection. We're trying to get to better than, you know, better than where we were, which was a complete absence of, of any customer interaction and, and that, and we're still there, you know, for that strategic research. Uh, um, re- so sorry, we're still there for that strategic research. And when it's really important for the business strategy, we're making critical decisions. Of course, we want to use our research there to talk to the customer, make sure that we're really understanding um, the findings, and that we're really doing that in-depth analysis and and getting the results right that's still super important. So that doesn't replace it. This is an addition. And so, um, and what we find is, you know, it takes some of the burden off of our user research in terms of doing that really low level tactical research. They, they're kind of freed up now to focus on that super impactful research that's going to take the most advantage of their unique skills and have the most impact on the organization. Well, there's that benefit. And I could see it also being an extension of that experiential sharing of insights from the customers. I think that you get, kind of get a, a double benefit there, right? I mean, you get um, your researchers able to focus on and go deep on important strategic questions, and then also um, other folks in the organization get to experience the um, Interacting with the customers and, and what the customers know, they get that knowledge transfer in a really, in a deeper way. That's right. That's right. And then when they bring the, find, when the researchers bring back the findings of that strategic research, they're not spending all their time level setting on the basics about who this customer is. Everybody's got that foundational knowledge. So they're able to spend their time talking about things that are much more impactful. Yeah, I'm looking at your slides from UXPA and the slide that has your stages um, for um, the empathy roadmap. In stage three, empathy is in our DNA. And I just think that this whole program is is very impressive, very well thought out, and I can can see why you all were compelled to, to share it and to bring it to the rest of the UX community. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah, well, and it sounds like um, it's you're still carrying on with that with the, the empathy panel at UXPA 2016. So thank you for telling us about that. Um, and, and thank you for, for getting on the call today. Thanks for having us. This was a blast. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's always really entertaining to share with the rest of the community. So Great. Well, it was wonderful to meet you all and, and to do this together. Thank you so much.
And that is episode three of Women in Design. Please send us your questions and comments on Twitter about customer empathy or other things. Our handle on Twitter is Women Design Cast. You can also leave us comments on SoundCloud and review us in iTunes. So reviewing us in iTunes helps other people find us and it helps us promote the women we interview. For episode four, it's going to be a surprise who we talk to. We wanted to get this episode posted ahead of Dawn's panel uh, at UXPA 2016. So our plans for episode four are still in the works. We'll let you know soon on our Twitter feed who we'll be talking to and continue our great conversations with women in design. Our theme music is courtesy of Paladino. You can learn more about Paladino and listen to other great tracks at paladinomusic.com. 